take a door hanger and put it on your neighbor's door or put one in your car. And if you have uh, somebody you see go through the drive-thru, you can pass a door hanger out in a drive-thru or you can uh, give an invitation, invite somebody, tell them about our special services, tell them about what the Lord is able to do. I'm telling you, I... I do believe we're living in the last days. I do believe that that there is a a uh, <coughs> going to be a a great uh, influx of individuals filled with the Holy Ghost and recognizing the power of Almighty God and having miracles. And it is a great to have all of you here and as I mentioned already good uh, to have uh, all of our guests visitors Sister Valerie but it's good to see Sister Jessica Willard too Lord bless her and uh, been praying for she and Brian and I know Brian's made some progress and so we're holding on to that and we're glad that uh, she's here glad that the McCrary's are here and all of you are in the house of the Lord we're glad to be here I know uh, we would have gladly flown, uh, but the wedding was so late that we couldn't leave in time to get a plane. And then uh, my folks, they did fly. Uh, they flew down Wednesday and then they uh, are flying back today. So remember them. They're on the air right now or probably in a few moments. I talked to them about 9.15. They were on their way to the airport. So uh, they'll be in this afternoon. But we're, we're thankful that all of you are in the house of the Lord. I, I started a sermon and I, I didn't finish and I know I uh, have had it sort of on my mind and heart and I, I know that probably all of you are <coughs> saying, uh, have asked this question and uh, that is why? Why? And uh, <coughs> I started it on a Wednesday night. If you were not here, uh, we're, you can uh, watch the first part of this. And uh, I hope uh, there's actually a whole lot that I could say about this subject. And I could talk about how children ask this question. Why? 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 Why is this? Why is that? Why is something else? And one why leads to another why, to another why, to another why. Why this? Why that? And <clears throat> there's um, finally uh, some of you may have found yourself wanting to get frustrated and say, because I said so. Maybe you haven't ever done that. But probably some of you have been guilty of at least having that thought, if not having said it. And you want to just say, because I said so. That's why. And uh, yet, I wonder sometimes when we ask God that, if he ever gets frustrated and tries to explain the why. And yet, I understand that there are numerous uh, places in the Bible that actually use why. And I, I read some of those in Job, how Job, the third chapter after getting bombarded with one thing after another, went through some amazing verses, and you can paraphrase them for yourself. You can look at them. You can decide uh, what all they, they mean and, and understand. But let me explain what I got out of it was he asked, why was I 
I born? Why did somebody even nurse me? Why am I alive? If I knew, if you knew I was going to go through all of this, why, Lord, did you even let me be born alive? Why wasn't I stillborn? Now that's, I, I've never reached that point where I have been that distraught. But when you read what Job went through, in fact, Sister Logan asked me today, how long was Job going through this physical ailment and the, and the bombarding? And I, I don't know. We know it's several chapters in the Bible, and I'm not sure that uh, I, I'll, I told her I would look it up because I'm not sure exactly how long. But, you know, when you get overrun with one seems like body blow after another, you can say, wow, you ask why. And then I, I talked about how Moses asked why after he went to Pharaoh and how there was that sense of Pharaoh actually made it harder on the children of Israel. You know, the Lord tells Moses, says, go down and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he goes and you are doing exactly what the Lord wants you to do, and it gets worse. Nobody's ever been there. Nobody's ever felt like, I'm doing everything I know to do. Why, Lord, is it getting worse and getting harder? And Moses fell prey to that. David went through and, and he cried out, why, Lord? In Psalm 74, and Psalms 42, and Psalms 21, and I read those verses. In fact, in fact, we use David's Psalm in 22 when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? As probably what the Lord was quoting on Calvary when he was going through that most intense moment of trial when he was going to suffer as a man, as a human, and he was going to, for the sins of the world, and he would say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Much like David said in Psalms 22. You find that in Matthew and in Mark. So we can look at those guys and we can say, well, we'll give Job a pass because Job, uh, you know, he had gone through some personal real hard, intense trials. And we'll give Moses a pass because he thought he was obeying God and it was not working the way he thought it would, you know? And we say, well, we can give uh, David a pass. He was oppressed. He was depressed. The attacks of the enemy. When you read Psalm 74 and Psalms 42, it seems like the more, in fact, I read Psalms 42 on Wednesday night and it was the enemy, it were people that he thought would be not enemies and yet here they were attacking him, people that he thought would be nice, people that he thought would be good, people that he, and he just, why Lord, why? And then Jesus, of course, you know, we say, well, Jesus was at the height of the battle between the spirit and the flesh and he had been unjustly attacked for his character and his motives and they had made fun of him and we believe that he was God manifest in the flesh. Not only God manifest in the flesh but that at that moment he could have called 10,000 angels. And when they put a robe on him and they stuck a crown of thorns and they put a reed 
in his hand and said, Oh, hail, king of the Jews! And mocked, said, Well, come on, we thought you were powerful. Come on! Now, I'm just thankful and I realize I'm not Jesus because if I could have controlled lightning bolts at that time. Think about it. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Some of you may have struggles controlling what lightning bolts you do have. Your words, your signs, <laughs> your thoughts, your fists. Huh? And can you imagine the king of glory at that moment could have said, Earth, swallow him. Huh. You want to see a king? I'll show you a king. Uh-huh. Well, let me just give you a little taste of what I can do. I can call, huh? But oh no. He was going through this battle and so he, he says why, <clears throat> you know, and yet I realize that people that ask why and if you've never asked why, you know, then the Lord bless you and I realize some folks say, well, you should never ask why and uh, maybe uh, that's true. Uh, but probably all of us have been guilty of asking why. And it means that you believe something. In other words, that you believe someone is responsible. And I've, I've, I've heard people and I've had people tell me, well, I could never serve God because I don't understand how God could. And then they give you a fill in the blank. How God could let children die, how God could let so and so get hurt, how God could let, how God could do. I don't understand why and so therefore I will not serve the Lord. And I would tell you that that's when the why becomes dangerous. If you will ask the why like David did, you know, if you keep believing that God is just and that God is good, and that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. And that God loves us. And that God has a purpose in our life. And that, you know what, Lord? I don't understand it. I don't know what it is. But I'm going to hang on to the fact that you are still a good God. And that you still love me. And that you're still for me. And that you're fighting for me. And that you're doing everything you can for me. And for my family. I'm going to hang on to that till the last moment. Because I know I don't understand what will happen when I walk through that fiery furnace. But I know you're able and I know you're good and I know you're just and I know you're capable of doing anything. Hallelujah. That's how you have to respond to the why. David and we read Psalms 42 and if you have never read Psalms 42 you need to read it. He modeled a prayer 
basically in Psalms 42 of asking God to do the things that he couldn't do. And then he tried to do the things that he did. In Psalms 42, he starts encouraging himself. He starts talking to himself. He starts praising the Lord. Read it in Psalms 42. Yeah, he asked why. But then he says, Lord, I, there's things I can't do. But there is something I can do. Oh, I was glad when they said unto me, I'd rather be a doorkeeper right here. I'd rather never know why, but I'm going to worship the Lord and believe God and hold on to God regardless of what happens. And I know it's not easy and I... I realize that we're here, and I, I forgot to mention this coming Sunday afternoon, not today, but in, in, a, in a week, we're going to be starting at 3.30, the uh, grief share. It's going to be a little different than the 13 weeks. We're going to go five weeks, and, uh, and I, Brother Rogers, is going to be leading that, Brother Garza helping him, and it's going to be open to anyone. You can invite someone. That's going to be starting next Sunday at 3.30, and I, I realize that when you are in grief when you are when you've been attacked when you are physically you've lost something and job is a, a prime example that you know it's hard to understand well am i being disciplined and what is it for and, and what what did i and 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 you know what is the purpose what's going on what did my hat what's happened and and yet somehow you have to hang on to the fact that god knows how many hair I have on my head. He knows where I am. He knows what we're going through. He knows about coronavirus. He knows about the Delta variant. He knows about every other thing that there is and God is still in control. China couldn't have manufactured this without God allowing it to happen. God is still in control. He hasn't lost a battle. He hasn't even lost a skirmish. Amen. And I understand it is hard to imagine, you know, well, and, and I read to you last Wednesday or a week ago Wednesday, Hebrews the 12th chapter, and I, I have to say, you, there weren't chapters when this letter was written, and we believe Paul probably was the author of the book of Hebrews, but Hebrews the 12th chapter follows Hebrews the 11th chapter. Anybody figured that out yet? It's kind of a, kind of a miracle of the 11th chapter is before the 12th chapter. For those of you who are not familiar with the 11th chapter, it starts out, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it goes through a hallmark of faith. By faith this happened, by faith that happened, by faith. And man, you get to reading it, and then you get to the end of the 11th chapter, and it says things like people were sawn asunder, and people were killed, and people were... And they made it to the hallmark of faith. They didn't see their dead raised. And yet, then the 12th chapter opens up 
by all of these are witnesses and says, stand fast and hang on to this that's going on in your life and realize that the Lord is our example, how he suffered. And looking at suffering, it says in the, in the 12th chapter, look upon suffering as heavenly discipline. And I know, you know, from two years of age and up, nobody likes to be disciplined. Nobody likes to be told there's something that you could approve on. There's something missing. There's something that needs to happen in your life. And so you say, well, but pastor, I don't know what it is. And so then Paul really goes on and talks about chastening and how that there is a chastening that he's dealing with us as sons, not illegitimate. You could read it. I read it last Wednesday or a couple Wednesdays ago and he talks about a heavenly father correcting us and our earthly fathers and, and I am sure there are people that have been you know, feel like maybe their parents were harsh and they were not, they didn't do it out of love and they corrected with, with anger and frustration and, and yet we know that God doesn't discipline that way. And as parents, probably every one of us could stand and say, yes, pastor, I, I, you know, I was too hard then and I jumped to the conclusion and I was a little rough and I shouldn't have said it that way and I shouldn't have. Amen. I wish I wouldn't have. And yet I, but if you would have known I was trying to Make an impression. Let them see this is serious. And I get it. And yet, Paul goes into all of that. And yet, if that happens with earthly parents, you know, what he was saying is, but basically, you know, why is it that some people see miracles, some don't? Some people, the widow of Nain, got her son raised from the dead. Other mothers didn't. Peter, was, Simon Peter was let out of prison. John the Baptist was executed in prison. Elijah goes up in a whirlwind. Joseph goes out in a coffin. And then, probably the most famous story is about Lazarus' family. And I'm going to talk about it today, maybe tonight even. Powerful parable that doesn't ask why, but it's implied in so many places. Whenever you remember the story of Lazarus, why did Jesus stay longer? And why did this happen? And why? Then the two that were on the road to Emmaus after hearing of the resurrection and believing that possibly something had happened, they responded by walking away depressed and Jesus had to walk up next to them and break bread. And finally they realized and they said, we don't understand why all of this happened in Jerusalem. So the questions become, Whatever I'm going through, good or bad or otherwise, is it meant to produce something in me? That's the first question you should ask. When you feel like asking why, immediately ask another question. Say, Lord, are you trying to produce something in me? 
What do you mean? Maybe it's produced something in me so I'll be kinder to somebody else that's going through something. Maybe it's produced something in me so I'll be more empathetic. Maybe it's because I lack something. Maybe it's because I need to go through it so I can give to somebody else. If we believe we're servants of God and we're the children of God, then God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. If he knows how many hair we have, do you not think he knows what you're going through? Amen. Of course he knows. Of course he knows exactly where I am. So Lord, what are you doing? Are you trying to give me something? Are you trying to give me something to give to somebody else? Lord, I want to learn it quick because I, I want to get this lesson down. I'm, I'm ready for it to stop. Now you all know you've been to school and unfortunately some of you have been to school and then you've had to be to school again. And you didn't get the, the first grade the first time? So guess what? You go to summer school. And if you don't get the first grade the first summer, guess what you do? Repeat the first grade. Now, of course, today we don't do that. Very often, you know, we just promote. But in reality, it's like you keep going over it until you get it. And yet, you know, is it producing something in me or is it removing something from me? That's the two questions right there. Is it doing something to give me or is it doing something to take something out of me? And if it's trying to get something out of me, is it something that I know is wrong? You know, if I'm doing something wrong, I'm bitter and I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I don't do this and I'm not, you know. And it's like the Lord's going to just tap on that and tap on that, tap on that until you finally go, you know what? It might be easier just to do what's right. Huh? Or is it something that I don't even know is wrong? And I, these are my prayers. I don't know. You want to know what I do? I, when something happens, I. I begin to, my two, first two prayers, Lord, are you trying to produce something in me? Are you trying to take something out of me? If it's something I know, I need to say, Lord, forgive me right now. I've got to quit doing that. I need to quit being so angry at all these other drivers. Bless their hearts. I need to pray for them. And my wife will tell me, you bless them. So I'm going to give them a blessing. Huh? Oh, is it trying to put something in me? Is it trying to remove something from me? And then there's times whenever I've, I've prayed, I've asked, I've said, Lord, okay. And then finally, I just tell you how I, I am and you can do however you want. But if I don't know, I just finally say, Lord, I'm so dense if it's something you want me to remove, you're going to have to show me what it is. Because I'm ready to get it. I want you to get it out because I don't know how to get it out because I don't know what it is. Right. Right. Huh? Right. Remove it, Lord. And I, because, let me tell you, and the Bible, and I, and I, 
I know it's Sunday morning and I haven't slept and I'm not, uh, you know, whatever. None of this may be making sense. But if you're right and you're judged as right and you're humble about it, you know, if, you know, you... uh, uh, offered a cup of water to somebody and and they go that is so sweet that is so kind and you're humble about it you'll say you're very welcome glad you appreciated it no you don't get angry you don't get angry why do you say thank you you're not hurt right you offered them a cup of water they said thank you that's so sweet You know, all of a sudden, what? You're angry now? I can't believe you said that's sweet. I didn't want you to say sweet. (laughs) Well, of course not, Pastor. How foolish. But now if you write, and you've been judged as right, but you're arrogant or proud, it's a little different scenario. You offer somebody a cup of water, and they say, Well, thank you. That is so sweet. You better believe it's sweet. As a matter of fact, I am sweet. Don't ever forget that. I'm glad you're finally realizing it. You need to mark this day down because I am indeed sweet. As a matter of fact, when you look in the dictionary under sweet, you see my name. Right? So, whether you're proud or whether you're humble changes your response. If you've done right, you're judged as right, and you're humble, you thank you, no problem, no worry. If you do right, and you're judged as right, and you're proud, (coughs) ah, yes. I'm glad you've noticed how awesome I am. So that was easy. Now let's get a little harder. If you're wrong and you're judged as wrong, if you've been doing wrong, and all of a sudden the Lord says, I'm going to get that out of your spirit. You're doing wrong, Pastor. If you're wrong and your judge is wrong, if you're humble, how will you respond? Oh Lord, forgive me. I see it. I need to change here. I need to do better. I repent. I ask God to help me. Right? I say, Lord, oh, I, I, I want to, I thank you for correcting me, Lord. I thank you for challenging me, Lord. I thank you for putting somebody in my path. You remember? David, who had done wrong, he's leaving the city, a guy takes dust, throws it at him. David, you know, his soldiers say, hey, we'll kill his hide. David knew he had done wrong. And he said, no, God's given me a message here. Leave him alone. Huh? 
He responded humbly. You follow me? He responded with contrition. He responded with a sense of heeding the warning. Now if you're wrong and you're judged wrong and you're proud, now you respond differently. What? How dare you tell me that I'm wrong? I know I'm wrong, but I'm not going to let on like you ought to know I'm wrong. Huh? Me? You thought that about me? You thought... in my throat. You thought I was being snide. You thought I was being... Uh -huh. huh? None of us have ever done that, but we've seen other people, right? Sure. Now, graduate school, when you're right and you're judged as being wrong when you said here's a cup of water and their response is you're trying to poison me if I am proud I get very angry very defensive very hurt so guess what? And I put those two close because if a person's getting very hurt and angry and defensive, you really can't judge by their response whether they were right or wrong. What you can judge is they're proud. You, you follow me? When I respond angry and hurt and defensive, it just shows that I don't, I don't have to take that from you. If I am right and I've been judged wrong, what does the Bible say I should be? If I'm humble, I should what? Rejoice. I know this is tough, especially after having not slept a lot. Be exceeding glad. That she or he or she gets to respond like Christ. Not my will, but thy will be done. My death to myself means my eternal life. Now you say, Pastor, I think you're out on a limb. Nobody can do that. Well, let's see what Jesus said in Matthew, the fifth chapter, 10th verse, Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are they which are persecuted for what? righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of God blessed are you when men shall revile you you know what revile means cuss get mad whatever and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely notice that phrase in there falsely for my sake what did he say do? Ooh, Lord. Rejoice. 
and be exceeding glad for great is your For so persecuted they the prophets which are before you. In First Peter, Simon Peter said, For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endures grief, suffering wrongfully, what glory is it if when you are buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently? Okay, you were wrong, and then you get persecuted. So what? What is the glory in that? But if when you do well, you suffer for it, and you take it patiently, this is acceptable for, with God. For even here unto were you called. Even here unto were you called? You were called out of darkness? This is the guy that said that. Into his marvelous light, that we should show forth the praises. Of him that called us out of darkness. We are called because Christ suffered for us. Leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. Committed himself to him that judges righteously. He kept saying, Lord, you see where it, what they're saying? You see what they're doing? You see what they've said? I'm going to commit myself to you, Lord, because you are the one that sees the hearts, the mind, the motive. You know it all, Lord. And yet you say, well, why are they doing that? I don't know. Maybe to produce something in me. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself unto him to judge us righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. I like to read that when I'm praying for the sick. But you know what Paul, what Simon Peter was reading that about? Not just praying for the sick, but praying whenever you feel like you've been done wrong. Oh Lord, I got to put my hand on my head a lot. When I'm reviled, do I revile back? <coughs> or do I rejoice? And with exceeding gladness when something happens and I don't think it's my fault. Lord, why are you letting this happen? And why are you doing this? And why is this going on? Do I rejoice and say, Lord, I don't know what the purpose is, but somehow I know you are still God. You still know the purpose. You've got it all. And I'm going to rejoice and be exceeding glad. That's why David wrote in Psalms 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul made her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and exalt his name forever. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from my fears. He didn't say delivered me out of my problems, but he delivered me from my emotional struggles that I was going through. I'm talking about a God that will come down when you're overwhelmed and he will deliver you if you keep magnifying him. Yeah.
He said they looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. It changed their countenance. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Uh, you want to talk about trust? This is it. Why? You know, what, what, what are you doing? what are you doing? Because I'm, I'm going to nail that wide down. I still trust God. I still believe in God. I still hold on to God. Oh fear the Lord ye his saints. There is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. I know God is on my side. I know God is fighting for us. God is standing with us. I'm not afraid of what the devil tries to say I know it God in whom I believe and trust it David goes on Psalms 34 come with your little children listen to me I will show you teach you the fear of the Lord what man is it that desires life and loves days that he may see the good Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking God depart from evil do good seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears on those that cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off remembrance of them in the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a... and save those that are of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He keeps his bones from being broken. I, evil shall slay the wicked and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. What does that mean? It means if you keep trusting in the Lord, you will never be desolate. You just hold on to God. God, you have a purpose in this. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. That's why David would say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. For Paul said in the New Testament, we know all things work together for good to them that love God, that are called according to his spirit. He said that in Romans 8, in the 15th verse of that same chapter, he starts back by saying, for ye have not received the spirit of, of bondage again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, we may be glorified together. I don't know what, I'm, what you're going through. I don't know what anybody else is going through. But one thing I do know is that before the the glory comes the suffering and I don't know how it happens that way but he said if we suffer with him we shall be glorified I'm telling you there's not only a light at the end of a tunnel there's a heavenly Jerusalem that's waiting on the other side of the rapture I'm, I'm here to tell you don't lose hope don't lose faith oh hallelujah 
And I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory. Some of these that have suffered so much in our congregation. I know times I felt like, Lord, who am I to say anything when so-and-so's this and so-and-so's that and so I want to tell you something. It's going to be revealed in glory. The suffering is not compared to the glory. Oh, which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation. What are you talking about? The, the, the whole world... We are, living, we are living in a world that is on fire. Someone sent me an article this week that, that, that I, I've forgotten the name of the group, some militia group, the, the Moors. They were leaving Rhode Island, going to Maine to go, you know, get in and have military training. And they said, you know, they're going to, they don't live under American law. They are the Moors. They are original Moors. They're descendants from, I don't know, whoever. And I, did, I was just like, wow, here it is, this one thing after another. But you know what? At some point, what it's going to have to be is that no matter what we're going through, when we see somebody, and I, I, I can tell you, we, we see them here, and they're, they're so, I don't want to even get started, but I see folks that have struggled. Brother Steve Wickline struggling to get up here. Brother Tracy, Brother Tim Galoni, others that just struggle to be in the house of the Lord, and they worship God it all of a sudden produces such a glory. It produces yeah. such a glory. It produces when we see somebody who's going through grief and going through some things. It's amazing how it just produces glory in us. We see what they're going through. We feel their, their feeling and it produces a sense of glory. What is being manifest is that they are now, uh, you can say, boy, they are a child of God. Look at how they're responding because how they should be responding is angry and frustrated and a fist but they're responding with I still believe God I still love God I'm still going to praise God I'm still holding on to God I don't understand it I don't know why but you know what I do know I know in whom I have believed and he is able that's one thing I do know why what are you saying oh pastor I don't get it well I'm here to tell you what Paul told him in Corinthians we have a treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And I mentioned on Wednesday and I, I, I mentioned about my mother teaching art and, and working with clay and that process and I, I know my time. I, I want to get to John 11. I won't be able to get to it today but I, this morning but this treasure is in what? Earthen vessels. And if you ever see how that guy that works the clay he slams it on the he slams it on the wheel he's trying to get all the air out he's trying to get all the bubbles out all the impurities he's taking water not too much and he's molding it and pushing it and he's making it around why he's trying to make a vessel that he can put in there and fire and so that at one point you know if it's got one air bubble in the wall and you put it in the kill The heat, you know what happens? Emma's showing me. It explodes. I want to tell you, this world is on fire, folks. Yes. 
God's got to get every impurity out of us. Why? Because he's making a vessel that he can put this treasure in. Oh, you say, well, I got the Holy Ghost. And you know what? When you got the Holy Ghost, that's wonderful. And if you don't have it today, you can have it. But it's step one. After that, he starts working on you and working on you and working on me. And huh? Why are you doing that, Lord? Because I want to, to be ready for when the fire begins to fall. Yeah. That we have this treasure. What about, he goes right on and says, always bearing about the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifest for your sake, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundance of grace through the thanksgiving of many might redound unto the glory of God. So that people will see you and say, glory to God. For the which cause we faint not. Though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed. For our light affliction, which works for a moment, works a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look for those, not at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. What are you saying? They answer the question, does he care? Absolutely. Can I trust him? Absolutely. Does he love me? Absolutely. And I understand it's easy when the boat is being slammed from one side to the other. And it looks like he's sleeping To take my place among the rest of the disciples. And say, Lord, don't you care? Huh? Well then why? Why am I going through this? Oh, but I want you to know. He has a purpose. I, I wish I could tell you what it was. Let's stand. I know my time is up. Brother Richard Lacey is here. Last Friday night, Saturday morning, I believe it was. His brother was in Columbus and got a call two or three o'clock in the morning. I found him dead. Murdered. Why? Somebody's apartment that they didn't know? Why was he there? The police are trying to figure out the whys. Or maybe they've just ignored it. He came here Tuesday before camp meeting on our corporate prayer and poured his heart out. Some of you were here Tuesday and prayed with Brother Richard here. Just say it's not natural to say why. Oh, yes it is. It's natural to say why. What's unnatural is to allow that to refocus 
me on the guy that's in charge of everything and saying, Lord, I still love you. Tragedy on Saturday morning, here Tuesday night, talking in tongues, letting the presence of the Lord wash his heart and mind. Be bitter, be angry, start questioning. I talked to Brother Richard and he said, I wish I would have told him one more time. I wish I'd have talked to him one more time. I, is that normal? Huh? Oh, if I could have only. Why, God? Ever felt that way? Then you have to struggle your way through it and say, yet will I rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. Oh, why don't you do that right now? I don't know if you've asked those questions. I don't know if you've had those thoughts. But let me tell you the answer is to begin to magnify the Lord. Hallelujah.